I know things you never see. You never see someone taking a shit while running at full speed. Come on, kid, get rid of some of them turds in the shit box. Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast with me, Rab himself. Hello and welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast with me, your host, Rab himself. My guest today is Brian Duss. He uh, is a man of many things. He is a producer, director. He's also, uh, I would say, philanthropist. He works with... um, what is it? War- World Vision. World Vision. Um, I was watching some of those videos before you came, and uh, it's pretty incredible the stuff you do with them. Um, so I wanted to hear kind of a little bit about your your story. You know, your your involvement with with that type of work, and then also you know the TV stuff and and the puppets and all the cool <laughs> stuff you got going on. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, world affairs and things like that, um, with our, our nonprofit that we do some stuff. And then I was, you know, talking with you and I, and like I said, saw some of those videos on your YouTube and it's, it's pretty amazing what you're doing there. Yeah. I think, uh, we met briefly at Tim Stevens 40th. Yeah. And I think I was thinking on the way up here, um, you know, it's kind of a great first meeting because it was, you know, you were basically like a semi-cult leader on a private island in <laughs> Gananoque, uh, you know, officiating a wedding. Yeah, like, yeah. It was my first time at a private island. It seemed like exactly what it should be, which is just people living on houseboats and um, someone, <laughs> you know, just the wedding. It was just like amazing. And then... I don't know, the toilet overflowing. There were all sorts of fascinating things that just made it perfect. Yeah, so it's funny. So we met at his 40th at this yacht club thing where yeah. everyone's got these these yachting hats on and, uh, and, and and talked a bit there. And then and then the second time was up at Tim's wedding, and that's in Thousand Islands in, yeah, in Canada. Canada. And that, and that was, uh, yeah, that was quite an event. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about Haiti. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I just actually just got back again from another trip down. Um, we just uh, went down, brought in some water filters and some lanterns, and then um, and then we're just kind of th- the real reason to be there was to figure out what was the next steps and some things that needed to happen. Um, while we were down there, we got to see that that we uh, some of the past projects that we did really have paid off. Uh, we we did a water pump irrigation system where uh, the Philadelphia Fire Department they donated a bunch of fire hoses. We got a uh, water pump and some PVC pipe, and they uh, they constructed this whole irrigation system with the hoses, poked holes in it, and and ran it out into the fields. And and uh, when I say we, I didn't do that; they did that, um, the local Haitians. But but we kind of facilitated making all of that stuff. Uh, you know, we, we you know we raised the funds to be able to get that to happen. And. Uh, last time I was there, I saw the field and it was completely barren. And then this time, I walk up over the over the hill and the entire valley is kill or is filled with crops and like bananas and tomatoes Amazing. and plantains. And it was it was super cool to see that. So yeah, that that's one thing I like about development done right is when you partner with the community. That's one thing that World Vision does is that we don't just come in and say you need a well or you need a school. We have a lot of meetings with communities to find out what are the needs that they themselves identify, and then we partner with them to help achieve those goals. So water in particular is one of those things that, so in we work in Haiti, but in Africa, we're the number one provider of clean water. And one of the things that you do is you train the folks in the community to repair their own well, so that you're not just flying in and dropping something and disappearing, and then if it breaks, it breaks. 
it's something that they, they sort of pay into a system where folks say like, okay, I'm going to be responsible with this. I'm going to learn how to do this. So the community group oversees how they're going to work with that over 20, 30 years to make sure that it benefits the community long-term and it's not just a short-term Band-Aid. Yeah, that, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, and I feel like um, just in my little bit of knowledge through it, through just personal experience with going down there and, and seeing that stuff, it's exactly what I see is that um, – that's not going to work. It's like, you know, the whole teach, teach a man to fish kind of mentality is, is like, you know, it, it's not going to work if you just do it and try and fix it, you know, and for, for them or whatever. And, and I think I also felt that a little bit down there too, this time I, it was a, a big learning experience for me, kind of, um, been down a few times and, and each time I, I learn more and, and this time was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to feel like, oh, I'll just do this for you. It was more like that that water pump, you know, irrigation system was like, that's like you, you give the tool and then you watch what they're able to do with it. And that that's really like kind of um, encouraging, inspiring and all those things. You want to continue to to find tools and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, like you, you don't want to feel like, hey, I just paid for your kids to do school and you know cool because it feels a little bit like um just like you know you don't want to feel like you're just like not you know not helping it feels like you're hurting more if you're just yeah. kind of doing it for them well you're you're also partners that's the way that yeah. i think it's good to look at it as you know i sort of hit you know the lottery in terms of where i was born you know my right. father was born in a refugee camp post-world war ii he came over on a boat grew up in the states me and my brother were born mostly in new york and um we had a lot of we had a lot of blessings so the way i look at it is you know from a scriptural standpoint um i believe that to whom much is given much is required and i think wow. um the sort of my other life verse would be um where your treasure is that your heart will be also and treasure can be a bunch of different things so you know wherever you are in your life, there are ways to give back. You know, not everyone can fly to Haiti. You know, the stuff that you're doing is is like above and beyond, but you have an opportunity to give back in doing that. For other folks, you're like, oh, well, you know, I wasn't on a TV show. I'm not a film guy. I don't know about this or that. Well, there's stuff in your community. And I think that's what's really amazing. And so I just am fortunate enough to have parents who brought me overseas when I was a little kid. We lived in the Philippines. We lived in a refugee camp in Southeast Asia, a lot of post-Vietnamese war refugees, Laotians, Cambodians, Vietnamese. And I got to see my parents model that type of service. So when we came back, my mom does healthcare stuff with nursing, and then my dad does international development. So we had a chance to see what people did when they were blessed with things. They gave back. They turned around and served, and they now continue to serve in different ways. My dad lives in D.C., does government relations for an international development agency, and my mom still does nursing all around the U.S., helping helping people better serve senior citizens. Wow, man. Yeah, that's incredible. Is that your dad that is on that video um, on the CNN that, that yeah because i yeah that was from he was in um you know serbia worked in kosovo all yeah. in that area wow, and man. um so that was an older video in the late 90s when i was still in college and so i had a chance to see his work there and so now yeah. it's, it's really great for my parents to see the work that i've done in south sudan or in kurdistan or different interviews i've done on al jazeera or you know i i drove up from dc to philly because i'm taping something on the cw tomorrow where i have a goat and an alpaca and some sheep to talk about the world vision gift catalog so 
it's really funny for them to see <laughs> in some way. My yeah. dad still does a lot of that, but you know, in some ways it's passing the torch, the work that I do and my brother, my brother, I'm extremely proud of him. He's the foreign affairs guy for Senator Bernie Sanders. Wow. So he's doing a lot of great work on, you know, everything from, you know, veterans issues to um, Yemen, which is something that is mind blowing right now. What's going on there. Um, I know that people have a lot <laughs> to study. There are so many things to pay attention to, and there are so many things to care about. But, I mean, Yemen is just something we're going to look back on, like so many catastrophes in the history of the world, and say, I can't believe no one was doing anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's amazing. And, and, uh, and, and just as we sit and talk, it's funny because I wanted to introduce you as a man that is much more intelligent than I, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you are, and it's uh, fun to sit with you and, and chat and, and, uh, and, you know, may, you know, maybe specifically in, in certain areas or whatever, but, but, uh, but it is cool to, cause every time I sit and talk with you, I feel like I learn a lot and, uh, and that's, that's an, you, you know, man. an awesome thing. Um, and it's really cool to just hear that you you know, that your folks are so involved and that that does just translate to their kids and, and, and that, you know, you, you found that and you find your own voice in your own direction, but, but you still continue in, in serving and helping others. And that, that's incredible to me. Like I know as a young guy, I was just a wild man, party dude, just doing whatever and kind of very, uh, self-centered in, in that regard and, and just all out for me. And, and it wasn't until I got sober, I think that I started to, uh, look outwards and, and maybe see if I could help some other people other than myself. And, uh, and that has been rewarding in itself. And, and I feel, I feel lucky to be able to go to Haiti and to do that. I, yeah. I just went down with a camera because, uh, I'm a camera guy and they called me and said, Hey, would you be the B camera on this documentary shoot? And I did. And then it just started to open my eyes to just kind of, you know, third world countries. I had been in, um, in the favelas in, in, uh, Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Uh, during Viva La Bam and, and I saw that and that was like insane what was going on there like you know just it, it was crazy and it was it was like you know uh, overwhelming and, and but as I went to India and, and to Haiti and these other areas that have it I you know I think world travel really does help you realize how incredibly lucky we are in this country and uh, and, and a lot of other countries first world countries that, that just have you know um, the um benefits of, of, of living, you know, in, in basically not in a war zone and, and, yeah. and you know, and, and the comforts that we have and, and sometimes take for granted. And, and I, I do that myself. So when I go down to a place like Haiti, I, you know, I stay with, with uh, our local Haitian friends in the village, you know, and, and it's, and that's what I did this time. Last time I stayed at a mission, this time I stayed right with them and, and just kind of saw on a daily basis what, is happening and and that was even more eye-opening than the last few visits yeah you know just to be right there and go hey okay i'm taking a bucket shower and and i'm you know and i'm sorting this out and and then i'm going okay well we're eating you know goat and and rice and beans and that's what they have and whatever they got from the market that day we're doing that and then when the sun goes down there's no light and we're probably gonna go to bed not too long from now and you know and it was yeah it was uh it was very much that that life and and that yeah. was, you know, eye-opening. It's also, it's really interesting to think about it from a producer, filmmaker side, and then also an aid worker side, and then just sort of a humanitarian side. Because, like, to back it up, one, you know, 
we all have different types of intelligence and we all have different types of skills and opportunities. So, you know, when people listen to the podcast or they see you on TV or whatever, read whatever, you know, there are different entry points, different on ramps to doing things. And it's all a journey. So for me, I love to talk about, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of trouble. I went to boarding school in Germany when my folks were in Russia. Yeah. I got in huge amounts of trouble. I almost didn't graduate. I got suspended from Christian boarding school in high school. <laughs> I also got suspended from Christian college. I went to Messiah College in Pennsylvania. I got suspended, and that's how I ended up living in Philly because I couldn't stay in school, so I had to go somewhere else and then yeah. came back. So for me, you know, I, I only got I got suspended for like chapel skips at Messiah. It wasn't, you know, I yeah. wasn't dealing on campus or anything. I skipped but, chapel at my boarding school as well. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were just smoking a little weed, whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> part of it, like, for me, I love that because, you know, I'm... I would definitely be categorized as pretty religious, but religious in the way that usually people tell me they like. So yeah. in terms of like, if you read, if you're into reading the Bible or whatever, like there are so many people doing idiotic things. Like Moses was a murderer. King <laughs> right, David right. was a murderer. And so well. for me, it sort of reminds <laughs> me of, no, that's just, you yeah. know, people can get touchy about that in scripture, but it's like, no, that's in the Bible. But it also is a welcome invitation to say like, okay, wherever you are in your journey, like you've been very honest about the things that you've overcome. I try to be honest about how I'm very often an idiot. And that doesn't keep me from being able to do good work. That doesn't keep right. me from being able to go to um, a refugee camp in Kurdistan and bring reporters and help tell the story of the Yazidi that are running for their lives and how we want to be a part of helping them. So, you know, in some ways it helps give me almost, I feel like a little bit more credibility because, and also an invitation for folks to say, listen, you don't have to have a sterling reputation. You don't have to be perfect in order to serve, like start where you are in your journey, your brokenness or whatever. There's, there's something for everyone to do at every level. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an incredible point. I feel like just that whole idea. And, and what I've found a lot, too, is that the brokenness or the people that have gone through some craziness can relate to what it is. And, and I, uh, my wife, actually, she works for a company called The People's Concern, where they, um, they work with the homeless out in Los Angeles. And, and, uh, and she just had this incredible um, you know, breakthrough with one of the, one of the clients that you know, came from off the street, got, um, got clean and sober from meth, and then got uh, um, GED and then a bank account, got a job, has now saved and is about to get an apartment. And it's That's like amazing. this incredible, you know, part of it. But, but you look through like homelessness in, in Los Angeles is big, and and you know, and not to say that everybody does it, but you do see people turn their nose up at it. And, yeah. And I can totally relate to it because the way I look at it is, um, you know, when I went through my drug and alcohol problems, I uh, I went belly up financially, and I I uh, got to a low point. And uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I would have been homeless if I didn't have a family that wouldn't allow yeah. that. And so I'm lucky in that sense that I had a family that would take me in and, and help me figure out what was going on. And I was able to kind of get sober and rebuild and do all that. But all this guy did was do the same exact thing, but in a shelter and get his life back in order. And, and so like, 
who am I to look down upon any of that really? Yeah. Because we can all be there, you know, and we can all end up in that situation. I mean, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't too far from it. You know, one financial disaster and, and you might be that way if you didn't yeah. have someone looking out for you. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of, uh, I forget what the percentage of Americans are that are one paycheck away from being homeless. Yeah. And so there's also that element of homelessness means not having a home. So like if you're living on a friend's couch, cause you don't have an apartment, you don't have your own home. Right. And I think the <laughs> my church, um, national community church in Washington, DC, they do work with the homeless and you know, there's so many fascinating things you learn about it when you, one is, you know, if, if you don't feel, you know, I'm six, six, I'm two fifty, So I talk to people all the time. Right. If you don't feel safe, it's at night. You don't want to talk to someone who's temporarily experiencing homelessness then you know what? Maybe that's not where your place is to volunteer. Right. I talk to people all the time, sometimes to the point that they are bored and they walk away <laughs> because I can, I yeah. can do that. But for folks that work with the homeless, tell me like, when was the last time they had someone make eye contact with them? I'm not saying you got to go out and hug people, but if you're homeless, like when was the last time you got a hug from somebody? When right. was the last time someone looked at you? When was the last time someone called you by your name? Wow. Those sort of things. How do you come back from that? Of the people that are living on the street that are in that transitional period, about 50% of people who are wrestling with drug and alcohol abuse, that only happened when they became homeless. About half the people that are wrestling with mental illness, that didn't happen until they became homeless. So a lot of times people who are homeless, it's not because, oh, they made bad choices and they ended up on the street. It's because they were hit a rough time that those things came out. The mental health issues came to the surface. Right. Like, I mean, if I was living on the street, I mean, what, I wouldn't smoke weed to make it through the night? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're exposed all night. Like, you right. can't say what someone would do just to make it through. Think about, like, all the friends and relatives you know they are in Vietnam. Like, what were the things, like, when I was in college, I learned how to lift weights from this guy who was a Vietnam vet. And he would talk about just to survive, like, they would smoke whatever they could smoke. Right. They would drink whatever they could Absolutely. drink to just make it through their tour and get back home. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's, you know, and that's, you bring up a lot of good points with that. And I think, um, you know, if you tried that yourself, if you went out and you lived, you know, on the streets for a little while, I guarantee your, your mind would get to you. Yeah. You know, there, there are are a couple, um, organizations that do that. And there's one that my church partners with where you can actually go and live on the street for three days. So they have you prepare for it and and you don't want to have it be like voluntourism, right? Right. You're not, you just want to do a respectful thing. But part of it is if you don't know what someone's gone through, then you can't fully relate. And then you also can't be a part of helping somebody. Yeah. And so that's, you know, there are a million ways that we can mess up doing development or volunteer work, or you say the wrong pronoun or whatever you're trying to do. Like we're all just trying to do our best and maybe show a little grace and then we can make some mistakes and learn on the way. And right now I think with outrage culture and culture wars and cable news right now, you you can't mess up and then not get attacked. Like you wake up the next day (laughs) and like you get in, you know, getting dragged on Twitter because you accidentally said something or someone didn't read the whole tweet before they blew up at you. And so, I mean, that's a big challenge. Yeah, that definitely exists big time um, right now. But, but like you said, you you know, you are going to make mistakes as you are volunteering. And I, and I realize that as I'm going through, you know, just kind of the work we're doing with, with Haiti is like, I mean, it's just all a learning experience. And, and, uh, and I, I think, you know, I was hesitant when I first went down because 
I'm going, oh, man, I'm just that typical American dude that's like, oh, oh man, does anybody realize? What? You know, and it's like, you know, I mean, you know, it, my eyes were just open to it. Yeah. And so, but it's, but then it makes you feel like, wow, you know, I need to do something. I want to do something. I want to be a part of this and figure this out. And and not that I'm going to figure it out, but I mean, you know, I want to be a part and, and do what I can to help. Yeah, and there there are so many different ways. So when you're talking about filming, like on the one hand, I'm like, yes, you got to learn, you got to see, you got to eat, sit there, eat the beans and rice, sleep where people sleep, walk where people walk. And then the the producer side of me is like, no, you got to stay in the hotel and make sure that you have power to charge your battery. <laughs> right, you know right, I mean? right, like, right, I've right. Been, you know, filming yeah. in like Nicaragua, yeah. where like you're like, okay, do you you got to have the the converter for the truck to be able to plug in your you yeah. know whatever you need? Can you dump yeah. cards on a laptop when your laptop's out of power? Like all those things. Were yeah. Like, there's so many times where I've been somewhere like, um, I mean, I don't see this to sound like showy. It's just to paint a picture of like I've been play like when I was in the Gaza Strip. And right. I, I was there to take photos, but I'm also like, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I can lift some bags of rice. So I was like, yeah. I'm taking photos of people offloading a truck in a food convoy. And I'm like, I don't want to take pictures, but I'm here to take pictures. I'm, yeah. I have to tell the story of the work that's going on because that's how you educate people. And then that's also how people can get involved in helping solve a problem elsewhere in the world. But, you know, you kind of find a happy medium of like, let me help do things with my hands. What, and then, you know. I yeah. took some photos. I put it actually, yeah, they took away my camera and then I had no choice. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. To help out, so well, it was great. well, it's funny because that brings up a great point because um, I struggle with that. So, so uh, like, you know, the first time I was down there, we were shooting a documentary. So I'm there with a, a production crew and that's what we're doing. And then when I started going down on my own, I got very like, oh, because like, um, you know, now I'm, I've befriended some locals and they're kind of like, uh, put the camera away, whatever, you know. So, yeah. so I had to learn like, and I, and I got to a place of like, I don't even want to bring a camera. I'll just shoot on my iPhone if there's something that's worth it. And then um, this time around, I did have my camera with me and, uh, and, and I shot a little something. But, but it's funny because sometimes, you know, you're shooting the kids in the school and they're looking at you like, uh, and you know, like, and, and you know, it's that yeah. feeling of like, I'm not trying to exploit your culture or what your struggles are at all, but I want to be able to help. And in order to be able to help, I have to be able to shine a light on this a little bit. Yeah. And so, so it's like you're torn between that because like, I'm not trying to be some, Hey, look what they're going through. I, I'm, I'm in my, you know, four star, five star hotel or, or whatever. Yeah. And like I said, this time around, I was not in that I was staying with them, but, but, um, but it was, it was a, it was a struggle to feel like, is it okay to shoot? I feel a little weird. I feel, you know, like no, and that stuff. So I think that's your gut is guiding you well. And basically it's just important to follow your gut. If your gut says, Oh, maybe, maybe I won't shoot today. And then maybe the next day you, you film right. because, or you have a conversation or so in the terms of the projects that world vision does on the ground, when you partner with communities and children are in programs, you there's paperwork that's signed by their parents that mm -hmm. allows them to be filmed. So if the school has a, you know, what we do, one of the things is called child friendly spaces. So, um, one of the refugee camps in Northern Iraq and Kurdistan, there's a refugee camp where they have a child friendly space, which is like, as children are fleeing for their lives, they're in this refugee camp, 
their school is interrupted. They're so busy running for their lives, they don't have an opportunity to be children. So within the child-friendly space, they can learn, they can grow, they can play. And as a part of the understanding, you know, there's a conversation. The local folks have conversation with the parents and they have a conversation about what's going on to say, are you okay with this? And part of what we're doing is in order to help fund some of the work, are you okay if we have photographs of the work that we're doing with your children? And if they're comfortable with it, then we take photos. If they're not comfortable with it, we don't take photos because the opportunity that we're working in communities long-term, so about 15 to 20 year projects for development. And the goal is in the community after the 15 to 20 year project is done, we're able to move on because the community we, that we've partnered with is self-sufficient. So they, they have taken the techniques of agriculture or clean water or whatever it is. Like um, I had a chance to go on a trip to Zambia recently and they have a program, you know, where we help them with some wells and they have a thing where they decided that they wanted to do an animal dipping where basically they run all the cattle through this tank that kind of has the sanitizer and it helps keep, excuse me, it helps keep infection down by like 30% or something like that with the, um, the livestock. So they dip it, they, the livestock is healthy and then helps, you know, keep the family fed for months and months. Wow. And that's something that they helped devise. They said, we used to do this and now we want to do this, help us do this on our own. And so that's the way we do it. That's, that's really cool. So you have kind of the vision of a start and an end point of where you want, you know, the project to kind of evolve to and to a point where they're fully self-sufficient by the end of 15 and 20 years. Yeah. And so how, how do you know that? I think, you know, going in, I mean, obviously, um, I think your, your, was your dad was a part of world vision. Yeah. He worked, well? he worked with world relief. My folks both did okay. um, when they're in the Philippines. And then later on he worked with, um, he actually did some work with interaction around live aid and that yeah. concert back wow. in the 80s. Yeah. And then he started out as a newspaper reporter in New York and then eventually transitioned to doing the development work that he does now. And so um, just having seen what they did, I was like, I don't really want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I actually used to shoot for the city paper in Philly when I was in Philly and I used to do film and wanted to do all of that. And so I started out, my first job out of college was at a PBS member station in DC. And then over time, developing photography and video skills, um, I thought, you know what, actually, maybe I want to go and do this. And um, it, I was old enough that it, it didn't feel like nepotism to start oh, working yeah. in that field. Right. So it was a good fit. Well, again, I guess the reason why I asked is because it's like, I mean, they've been at it for so long I, that they can understand that this is the amount of time that it takes to really watch the development of this, the yeah. areas that they're of concentration. So that's, that's yeah. pretty cool to to be a part of something that has been happening, you know, been working for so long and that they understand the process to that level. Yeah. I think it's also a good lesson for me about, you know, times of sowing and reaping, like there are different seasons. Like you have a season right now, you have an opportunity to make an impact, to make cool stuff, shoot on shows, work on documentaries, travel more. You're married now. You know what I mean? Like you had different seasons of when you were, you know, yeah. shooting, you know, <laughs> jackass, sure. all that yeah. stuff. And now this is your time to do this stuff. Right. That stuff was awesome, and now this stuff is equally awesome. You've got to see things happen over time. So there are things that we'll be able to plant the seeds for that we might not see happen. So you wow. got to see the pipes go in, and you got to see agriculture happen in that community. You got to see the whole picture. But there are times that there are seeds that other people planted with education that you might get to see the benefits come to life and the fruit there. Yeah. And, you know, it helps me 
calm down because sometimes you're like, oh, I want to do it all right now. But you yeah. don't realize that sometimes making the biggest impact is to just do the little things now that you can. And maybe in the future, like someone else is going to get the win on down the line. And that's fine because this is what you have an opportunity. Right. This is what's in your power to do right now. Yeah. And that's sort of why the work that we do, we have three main things. We do relief, we do development, and we do advocacy. So you can respond when there's a hurricane. Like that's part of why the first time I went down to Haiti was working after Hurricane Matthew, development of those long-term projects. And then advocacy is, you know, helping educate people around the country, going to Congress and saying, hey, we have the Global Food Security Act. We'd love for you to sponsor this. It's working really well. It's a great idea. Let's renew it. I would love to have you. You know, I vote in your district. You're my senator. Please support this bill. Help get it passed. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, and that that brought up like uh, just kind of a great point while, while I was listening to all that, because I mean, you have so much insight that that's just like I said, every time I learn more, um, because for for sure, when I first went down, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to help them. I want to help them. I want to help them. I want to help. And you just get overwhelmed to a point where you feel like, I don't know what I could even do. And it is like that that small kind of mindset of like, OK, do this and, and, and just the insight to know, like, yeah, you may not see what, you know, the payoff of, of the work you put in, but really that's not the point at all for, for me. Um, and I think for most, like you're saying, it's like you just want to see, you know, humans um, doing better and, and, and or, or growing and, 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 and living in, a, in an environment that is, you know, um, better than it was before, you know, um, either you got there or others got there to help. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and so it's, it's cool to hear that because, and to be reminded of that, because sometimes I get overwhelmed and feel like after doing some things you go, Oh, oh I'm not really doing anything, you know, or not really helping or yeah, not really this. I'm, and and then, how you feel. and then, and then, but then to step back and go, well, you know, in, in the process of all of it, um, because I, you know, and I say this, but I, I probably truly feel like I truly feel this way. A lot of times it's like I, I might be, you might be helping, they might be helping me more than I'll ever be able to help them. But, oh, yeah. but it's this, it's this, uh, just, you know, a lot of gratitude on both sides of the equation. We were able to help with the little boy, um, get a surgery that he needed to. Cause right when I was down there last time, I saw that he had some issues that he had had the last time I was down there. And I was like, what's going on with this? And, and he, and, um, and his, his parent, like his orphanage, um, the guy that runs the orphanage is, is his parent. Um, he was like, well, the problem was we didn't have the paperwork last time we were here. And now we finally have the paperwork, but now we don't have the funds. And so as soon as I got back, I just put a little thing out on Facebook and in a couple hours, they, everybody responded and helped and we got enough. And now he has an appointment like on next year on, or I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. So on Tuesday. So, um, that's just incredible. And, and it, and it is amazing to see how much people come together too, when it's like a, a real situation, you know, there, I, I think I've heard that from a lot of people that have helped with the fundraising where they go, yeah, a lot of times I'll, you know, give to something, but I don't know what's happening with that money. Yeah. And then with what we're doing, it's so small that, that they can actually witness what we're doing with it. And you your, know? Yeah. Your friends can call you and say like, Hey, yeah. how was the trip? Or follow yeah. you on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, at different scales, there's different level yeah. that you can get to the person. You know what I mean? Yeah, if right. If you're going to spend, you know, you can't spend $5,000 shooting a video to tell the story of a $2,000 project. Yeah, right, right. That, that scale doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. But, and as, as nonprofits get larger 
and the work gets more complicated, I think that's where having design monitoring and evaluation is a really key component because, you know, World Vision, it's about, I think it's like 16 cents of every dollar goes to costs related to design monitoring and evaluation. So um, someone, a water expert being able to go out to a project to evaluate it or having a safe vehicle to get out to where you're going, making sure that the staff, the local staff are paid well, that they have insurance, they have all of the things to make sure that the project is long-term and sustainable. All of those things go into having you know, a certain amount of your budget, make sure that you're truly being a good steward of those resources. And that's sometimes a tough conversation when you say like, okay, do we really need to spend the money on this? It's like, okay, do you want these solar panels to last for 10 years like they're supposed to? Then yeah, let's make sure to do it right. It might cost a little more, but that's fine. Right. I mean, I put I put solar panels on my own house, partly just because I'm a hippie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and partly because it saves money, but you know, paying to make sure it's done right you know, it will pay for itself for years and years, but you have to put a little bit up front, but in the long term, it'll, it'll be worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Um, so switching gears a little bit into, uh, because I, I mean, I could, I, I, I could sit all day and just learn more and more from you. Um, but I do want to hear a little bit about, um, some of your passion projects and some oh, of the things for sure. that you're working on. I, I um, do have to say one thing though, that I, I, I always get, I partly do training for um, PR when people do TV. I always yeah. make sure that they plug the website, which is worldvision.org. So you can do things like buy a goat for somebody. It's like 85 bucks for Christmas, oh, wow. the holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You oh, buy yeah. a goat. And then the thing about a goat is that it gives about 16 cups of nutritious milk a day. Kids can drink the milk or the family can make cheese. They can sell the cheese and then it helps pay for school fees and things like that. And then, you know, when the, the goat droppings, they can make a little family farm and grow greens to help balance out the diet, things like that. So yeah, people, there's a, a whole gift catalog that people can check out and that's what I'll be talking about on TV tomorrow. So awesome. I got to make sure to plug that. Yeah, for sure. That's worldvision.org. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to go on there and check, check that out as well. Um, but, you, but yeah, that, that brings up a great point of just, uh, you know, how much you can do for, for, uh, you know, for a family or for the, for the community just 85 bucks for a goat <laughs> you know yeah. who, who knew <laughs> I, told them, yeah, I was like i i i deal with a lot of the what we call influencers at world vision so you know work with actors um i want us to work with more comedians we worked with some musicians and things like that and uh, my ultimate goal is like i would love to just be able to make a lot of money and be well known doing all the comedy stuff i do and then world vision can just take me to Rwanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And film me visiting projects and <laughs> yeah. then I can help raise money. Yeah. But right now, like I bring people to projects or I bring reporters to projects and I'm like, it's fun, but I'm like, I would love to just be, you know, if I had the my Bob Hope of, uh, yeah, 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 you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, we, you know, we'll bring like Patricia Heaton from the middle. She'll go to Zambia, visit yeah. a sponsored child, do stuff. And I was like, I would rather be like, if I'm honest, I would rather be on SNL. Yeah. And when I'm not <laughs> shooting, fly me down to Haiti. I'll do a video. Like one of my favorite videos of, um, Haiti, it's so random. And I don't even know. I found it. The, you know, act you know actor she's not an actress i guess she's a model and businesswoman or whatever carly Kloss. she's like a supermodel okay and a model friend of hers has a project in haiti and she's like come fly down so you know uh i think it was casey neistat helped her film some stuff she went down she did like a three and a half minute video on haiti which is great so now like millions of people have watched this video and are going to be able to learn about haiti just because she was there you know what yeah. I mean? and you know like you have the power to bring people 
you know, issues in Haiti to folks' attention because they know you from all the, all the stuff that you worked on over the years. So your ability to influence how people look at things, you know, even if it's just a little bit, you move the needle a little bit is, you know, it's a yeah. tremendous power and you're stewarding it really well. And I think I would love to be able to do that. But right now I'm, I'm just right. some nobody that works at a nonprofit. <laughs> but well, I mean, in, in in the same way, I mean, you're making such a difference in, in what you do. But I but I do hear you that if you do have that platform that's big like the supermodel, then then it does it gets it gets the message out to millions. And um, I'm not quite what it was ten years ago, but but hey, man, if a couple people, a couple more people understand what, what's happening there, that's yeah. that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that does kind of help transition into some of the, the stuff that you're doing. I, I saw a photo of you doing, um, improv like, <laughs> yeah. or, or little stand up or whatever. And, yeah. um, I recently posted one up on my YouTube cause I did, uh, I did a little stand up if you want to call it that. I, I basically got up and, and told some stories in, in front of, uh, you know, a, a stand up audience. There was a bunch of, uh, comics kind of, uh, doing a lineup that night and, and a friend of mine was the the guy that one of the comics that was hosting it so he invited me out and I got up and did 10 minutes of just telling a story and and it was a lot of fun it was it was exciting man it, it was really cool I had never done that I I'd gotten up in front of audiences uh, so many times throughout my life, either with Jackass stuff or uh, the band CKY, I toured with them a lot. I'd come out, introduce the band, and and jump into the crowd and this kind of stuff. And but getting up just solo, you and then the crowd and the light beaming in your eye, I'm like, man, this is way different than I yep. can ever remember. And it was intimidating. And luckily, the girl uh, before me, she kind of mispronounced my name, and it helped <laughs> me like it helped me get right in there and yeah. then sort of calm down. But but leading up to it, I was like, whoa, I was like nervous. And then, and then I mellowed out and then kind of got into the, the story part of it. But, um, I wanted to hear a little bit about your experience with that, with the getting up and doing stand up stuff. Like how, how, you know, how, how do you do it often? And also like, how do you kind of work through those nerves, uh, when you're about to get up? I think I just, I did a little bit and then I'd stopped and I'm, I'm just getting back into stand up. I have my first show on December 12th at Unified yes. St. Theater. It's like first time in forever. And I think I had wanted, I've always wanted to be an actor and do comedy. I just never thought there was, that was something that you could do for a living. And I remember visiting Tim Stevens yeah. out in California. And I was like, I was, you know, playing in a band, doing stuff back in DC, but I was like, I need something bigger. I need a challenge that I could fail at and have to come back from. Yeah. And so I went there and then I just didn't like, Hollywood people I went to some Hollywood parties and people were like oh hey what do you do oh you're not a producer okay I'll talk to you later yeah you're looking over your yeah, shoulder like, like so <laughs> I, I went back to DC I ended up going to the Middle East I was like all right there's no better way to fail than like in a war zone yeah and so I learned from that and and um um and I've kind of gone back and forth living overseas and back but now I'm just like well I've always said I wanted to do this so yeah. um I just got to get up on stage and do it and it's just it's also so much of what I do in my day, you know, in my day job is very measured. You know, you have talking points. I believe in it very much, but you also need to make sure to stay on message to right. make sure that you can communicate. You're, you're stewarding an opportunity to do something you want to do the best you can. But with standup, it's just, you can mess up so badly and you have to recover on the fly. You're also, I think it was Chris Rock was talking about how it's one of the only things that you can only learn in front of people. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You know what I mean? You can wow. run laps or do push-ups to get, play baseball or whatever, shoot, play basketball by yourself to get your shot better. But you can't just do stand-up to nobody to get better. <laughs> like, you are Man, failing so true. over and over again yeah. in front of people. And I think the real challenge, and um, if anyone I work with is still listening or, you know, <laughs> they maybe they're fast-forwarding or just checking in on me, is yeah. the balance of, you know, wanting to say stuff that is real and honest but also not get fired. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because aid workers, their comedy is the worst. Like, you were seeing people... No, like, I'm like i not making fun of it, but, like, there are people I've met that, like, oh, they're... I hate to say it, they're definitely dead now. Like, you're seeing some horrible stuff. Yeah, like, right, I right, saw right. a refugee camp in South Sudan, and, and, like, if it wasn't for the UN, for people who don't understand how the UN works and think it's a waste of time or whatever they whatever their problem is like 30,000 people in this camp would have been slaughtered had it not been for the UN. So you can only imagine the horrible gallows humor that people have to make it through the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like so many of those jokes, like I am definitely not making those jokes when I'm doing my stand up <laughs> because everything is going to be filmed. But I think about what's that balance of saying like, let me just be honest about what's going on in my life, the ways that I've messed up and sort of mine the humor out of that partly as a way to, I think encourage people. It's kind of like when you talk about the things that you've been through, someone's like, okay, let me make that first step. Or I've gone through some challenges. Like it's not over. And I hate to say it in such a, be so cheesy in a sanitized way, but there's also that balance. Like I really wrestle with that. We're like, this is what I do for a living is development. I'm very grateful to do that work, but I also want to do this other stuff. So how do I make that leap in a way that is honest with myself but also is respectful to not embarrassing my grandma when I tell that story or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have not really had that <laughs> that like uh, drawback, and I yeah. just kind of let it loose, which maybe, you know, uh, now that I've married and I have a new family, I... I it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I heard that I, episode talking about farting in front of your wife. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know, everyone yeah. knows your business. Yeah, and yeah. That's a certain <laughs> amount where I talk about, like, getting suspended from both college and high school yeah because like i mean i don't really think there's a huge point in me trying to have any secrets like, right yeah like it, if there was an opportunity to run for senator or something someday i might be open to it but i also know that like everything on the internet is forever yeah i have some videos of some comedy stuff i've done or my band or whatever that i'm like that will be in someone's ad someday criticizing me. Yeah, you right, never know, right, so. right. And it's funny because uh, actually Bam, <laughs> Bam's mom, April, uh, used to say that to me when I was younger. And I'm, I'm doing the uh, George Carlin, you know, taking a crap running full speed yeah. bit. And she's like, oh, my God, like, what are you going to do like later when you have to get a job? And at that point in my life, I'm like. I'm not getting a job. What are you talking about? You know, and it was, you know, my I didn't think I would live long enough to have to worry about any of that. But, um, but yes, I do, and I and I have a job. I just happen to have a job now where people go, dude, you did all that, and then it, and it works out. So, yeah. So, um, but but it's 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 a great point that you bring up. I have a friend. Um, he did an episode, Colt Darling. His is uh, his real name uh, is Kirk, but uh, but he's a police officer. And uh, super funny guy. And so he has to juggle, you know, balance that. Like, what can I go out and say on stage that doesn't, you know, put me in a position to look, you know, poorly in front of, uh, you know, yeah. either my, my place of uh, work or out, you know, in front of the audience. Can I say some of the, some of the jokes? You, like, there are morbid jokes to get you through some of the yeah. crazy stuff that you see. And that's, that's how people kind of cope. Yeah, yeah, plus, I mean, I, I love comedians who are self-deprecating. Like, 
you know, I won't, I'm not going to, well, one, no one cares what I say, but it's point, but I'm not going to pick on certain comedians, but there's some comedians that I'm just like, people don't like you because you don't, you're not self-deprecating. Right. All you put out is hate on other people. But then there's someone like Patton Oswald who makes fun of yeah. himself and yeah, it makes yeah. me love him even more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like someone like Zach Galifianakis, who I love, or like Maria Bamford is yeah. one of my all time favorites who talks about her struggles with mental health <laughs> yeah. in a way. Wow. That's the yeah. Best. She does really put yeah. it out there. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I could go like the Chris Gethard route. Like he's very open and honest and that's his story. That's not my story to tell, but like yeah. he does his thing his way and he's a one of a kind in that. Yeah. And the things that I want to do, it's tough because you have to mess up and look stupid to learn how to do stand up or to do improv or to do some of the other products I'm working on. But there's really not a lot of space right now. For someone to say something yes. and then be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. Especially with you, where, what you work, the field yeah. you work in and then trying to juggle that. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of, yeah, it is a, it is kind of a nerve wracking position to be in. But, um, <laughs> but I do find that at least for me, you brought up a lot of good points with, with the comedians that you speak of, because, uh, I love vulnerability. I love to see that, like you say, the self deprecating because, um, because I want to know that you're human and I want to know that you screw up. And that's kind of my idea for the podcast is everybody poops. We all are caught yeah. with our pants down at some point in life. And why not just put it right out there? And that's kind of been my mindset <laughs> in life is just be yeah. like, look, just go for it. You know, I, I'll get naked on a TV show or I'll crap in front of everybody or I'll do that because why not? Just like, we're all human. Just, just let it be known and not, don't be afraid of that. I, I talk with reporters when we're like, sometimes we go to the middle of nowhere. Like it was in, I got violently ill in Kenya. It was actually ironic because it was a clean water project, but I eat something at the hotel and then I yeah. got sick. Um, but like my prayer is Lord, please don't make me crap my pants <laughs> in a tiny airplane that has no bathroom. <laughs> and like, you know, so we talk about that stuff all the time. And I was listening to one of the older episodes and I was thinking about like, Oh, I got to remember to tell you this bathroom story. Cause there's like Americans usually only know how to use one kind of toilet. Yeah. So like you're, if you're in the middle of nowhere and maybe, you know, it's just a hole or sometimes you'll be in a restaurant and you're like, Oh man, this looks kind of, this looks kind of nice. And then you open the door and you're like, no, just a hole. Yep. And, but so, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, you know, if you have a door, the, for a tall That's American tour, yeah. If you're a tall American, you've never done that before. The key is for me, j just take everything off. Wait, if there's but a if, what a door? If there's a if there's a door, close the door. Oh yeah, there's a hole. Just take, oh yeah, just take everything off. <laughs> put it on the hook, and then you can balance yourself on the wall. So don't try to don't try to hold the pants and the shirt up and all. Just yeah, just just, yeah. just strip down and 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 space. honestly, that's the best way to take a crap anyway. Yeah, butt naked is is the best crap you'll ever have. <laughs> I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, I mean, it's actually really good for your body. Like that's how our bodies are made, yeah. but you know, I don't know. People like to sit and be on their cell phones. So the yeah. Western toilets in the U S yeah. Well, I might've told the story, but when I was in India with my wife and, and her cousins and stuff, they were very much like when I went to go to the bathroom, they're like, uh, Asha, has Chris ever like gone to the bathroom here yet? <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, yeah, I had to learn. I mean, I kind of had an idea, but I didn't realize there was 
no like paper towels or anything anywhere. Oh yeah. So you only made mistake <laughs> that you only make that mistake one time. My backpack on the floor over there, literally right now, it has yep. uh, it has a snack. <laughs> it has uh it has a roll of toilet paper in my bag. Like we're in a really nice part of Pennsylvania, yeah. And I still have a roll of toilet paper in my backpack right now <laughs> because you only yeah. make, make that mistake one time. <laughs> hey, it's smart. And, and, uh, and I've made that mistake probably multiple times because I'm not smart enough to pack my bag right after that. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. Dude, I'm, even when I was just down in Haiti, I was like, God, I did not pack right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, yeah. aid workers don't occasionally have to sacrifice a sock. Yes. I'm not saying that hasn't <laughs> yeah, been done. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to hey, do. That's, yeah, that's, that's not too bad though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so the, the other main thing I'm working on aside from stand-up is um what we were talking about is the tv show puppets yeah. in paradise yeah which i actually shot in philly it's a travel puppet show it's like if uh, anthony bourdain was a snarky german puppet yeah so there's Dude, some narrative stuff i so love it my friend amanda giobi she's a regular at ucb upright citizens brigade in new york city and then um the other main character is a german puppet that i voice yeah so it's like man on the street interviews and then some narratives we actually um we shot at a Dead Milkman show with the puppet. Yeah. And then we interviewed Dan Stevens, the bass player of Dead Milkman Dude, with the puppet. And so. I got to tell you, those are hilarious. Like you kind of gave me like a little look into it because I think you're editing the little pilot yeah. episode now. And uh, and it's freaking hilarious Thanks. because it is like it's intelligent but also like dumb humor like it's like i mean i feel like it's like that naked gun feel of like like you said the snarky german dude that's like it's really funny but it's really dumb but it's but it's intelligent at the same oh. exact time and, oh yeah and, and you know like and i just love the way like the banter between um you and 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 dan from from the uh dead milkman like just the banter back and forth i mean uh, you, you voice the 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 german guy yeah. but just back and forth it's so good and the timing and and uh and i love it and then i saw that other little clip um in the in the hotel and that and it's oh, yeah. hilarious <laughs> so what like so your your goal is to um get that you know is, is that is your goal is just complete that and then go and try and sell a series of it and and uh and yeah and make a i think there's a couple different options you know as it cuts together and we do i mean I, I mean we had a crew a lot of great guys from philly and then a lot of great folks in dc that shot it dan um tim helped direct a couple of the yeah. shoots here in philly but then you know he's got a whole bunch of features so he got too busy um so when it comes together i have a couple more editing sessions i think the goal is to see if i can either sell it and bring it to series or um sell the idea to someone who wants to take it away and do it because i also know this is my first bigger project like i've done smaller docs in the north yeah. world and i'm in the middle of a documentary with my friend steve jeter on a blind school in um, palestinian east jerusalem right now that we still have a lot more shooting but in terms of like comedy stuff this is my first thing yeah. and i from what i know like yeah i'm probably gonna get the worst deal ever so yeah. like, I'm not expecting to make any money. I just, you know, from what everyone tells me, it's a miracle that anything ever gets made. Yeah. So this was like, I did it with friends. You know, I put up the money, you know, all my production, everyone's getting paid. I want to make sure at least a little something. And it's exactly what I wanted it to be. And I just... I'm just stoked that I did it, that I, yeah. I wrote it and it came to life. Dude, it's legit. I mean, it's thanks. really well done. Yeah, and, like being yeah. able to like shoot it on a Sony FS7 with prime lenses and my buddy Johnny Myers, the DP, and have like great sound folks and second camera and, and you know, both in DC and, and Philly. Like it's, you know, 
I want it to look good and I want it to be funny. I just yeah. want to like, it's something I, people love puppets like at every age. So like we'd interview people on the street, like they look at the puppet, like they know it's my hand and they know that it's not actually German, but they're talking to my <laughs> yeah. hand in a puppet because I've loved puppets ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. So I think that if you got to travel around the world um, and go to like, you know, Bangkok or Manila with a puppet and you're yeah. interviewing people like, I mean, Dude, that's so perfect. So I feel good. like it's, yeah. a, you know, it's in a sweet spot of something people would like, cause it's irreverent, but we also take on some complicated topics. And I would, I mean, we talked about, we talked about, um, move and, um, the, the mayor Wilson good dropping a bomb on the house in Philly. So like we got to cover that. We also covered the Philly roller girl. So like we shot a roller derby thing, but we also got to talk about, you know, a mayor bombing his own city. So if I got to work on a TV show where I got to talk about social social justice and also make fun of people who are drunken tourists, like I think yeah. that's a win win for everybody. Oh, it's perfect. That it kind of meshes your two worlds. Yeah. You know, and that yeah, that's perfect. So are you are you showing a little bit of that at all on YouTube? Or are you waiting until I mean, is everything? I have some. Do you have any little tasters? I have some it? unlimited link or the unlisted links that I've sent you and a couple mm -hmm. other folks, and so um, I think I'm gonna cut the whole episode and then see if I can help get someone to help me cut like a sizzle reel. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll probably do a couple screenings and try to get it in festivals. But, you know, I don't actually know. Can you get a 22 minute TV show in a festival? I don't really know. It seems kind of weird. So yeah, I don't know. I think like that'll be a lot of exploring and learning on how to do that. And so, okay. I mean, all of it was also a part of my master's thesis at American. So I did a master's in film and video which I did over 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, wow. really slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just didn't have the money. I would save up and pay as I went because I didn't want to go into debt. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. No, that's smart though. I, if you have any ideas of where to put it, I will. Dude. I'm open. Yeah. Uh, you know, the phones are open now. Can people? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, it's sold. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I I, uh, I mean, I love it. And I, it, it's totally, to me, seems like a perfect adult swim thing um you yeah. know and 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 especially with what the topics that you do cover because it is it, it is intelligent humor yeah but then it's also dumb humor it, it covers all of that and, and and i love it i i guess people will have to wait until it's it's ready but uh but i feel yeah. i feel lucky that i got to see parts of it thank you it'll it'll be on puppetsinparadise.org that's the website i have held right now and i'm putting clips up on instagram and you know twitter and things like that so yeah. people can check that out in the links that you have you have put page. some up or you will? some some little clips are on mine so i'm just bp dust okay at, uh, at instagram but um i'm gonna put more up at on the website at puppetsinparadise.org nice but i just think it's fun like like I want to make fun of like I'm religious, I'm a Christian, and I like making fun of Christians. Yeah, yeah. I like you know making fun of politicians, like holding people accountable, like you know giving people crap, but it's from a place of like love. So yeah. the, you know it's almost like you know you know my my church, which is funny. My pastor has seen me do stand up, and you know you know I won't tell you which pastor, but you know he said it was hilarious, and he likes that I'm doing it, and you know we sort of have a theme of like criticize by creating. Like if you have a problem with something that's happening, then do it, do it a different way. Yeah. So like I have problems with the way my church does certain stuff and I address those issues and I try to come up with solutions, you know, yeah. I, I, but I can do that because 
my pastor also knows that I'm on the board of We Are Family, which is a nonprofit that brings groceries to senior citizens. Like right. we, you know, we do punk shows and raise money. We did a show last Sunday with, you know, Ian Mackay and Joe Lally, Amy Farina, um, you know, from folks from Fugazi and Amy um, did a show and we raised a bunch of money for um, Lowe's and Fishes. That it's a feeding program out of a church. So like Dude, when right. you're investing, like the, all the stuff that you're doing in Haiti, when you talk about stuff and, you know, people are like, well, what do you know? You just, you know, you make TV shows. It's like. Yeah, no, I do this too. I do these right. things. So yeah. when I, when, you know, I've, I've made some points where people are like, well, what do you know? You don't know this stuff. I'm like, well, actually, when I was in a refugee camp yeah, in, right, right, in right. Hong Kong, I saw this, you know, so, you know. That brings up a great point of like how you really have no idea what another person knows or yeah. has experienced. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, uh, and that's, that's pretty, pretty um, cool to kind of, Think about that and maybe stay open-minded to that to realize, like, man, you know a lot more than I could ever know that you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good posture in anything because, you know, I don't mind when people prove me wrong because if you prove me wrong, then now I can be right, you know? Yeah. And, and part of it is having a posture of, you know, showing grace and being open. And, yeah, like, if we're, you know, if we're at a party and we're, like, arguing in the kitchen, like, right. that's one thing. We can talk about politics or whatever and we'll have fun. But, um, you know, in general, if you're trying to learn about something, if you, if you ask good questions and, you know, I don't think you should be afraid to ask people like I have a, I'm banned from talking, um, about politics on Facebook by, um, I won't say whether it's my mom or my dad, but let's just say one of them banned me talking about (laughs) politics and excuse me, for me, I think it's good to be able to ask follow-up questions. If you post something on Facebook and you say that all people do this or 92% of people believe that or whatever. I think it's fair for me able to say, where did you get that statistic? Tell me more about that. And it's one thing right. to like have fun discussing with my conservative friends on Facebook, but it's another thing, you know, to say you should be able to back up what you're putting out there and right. don't get mad at me for asking you basic follow-up questions. But if I'm trying to learn about a topic that's more sensitive, like I'm trying to learn about Rohingya and I want to talk about Aung San Suu Kyi, and I want to talk about situations going there, I'm going to have a different posture because I want to come, um, I want to show up letting people know that I'm open to learning. I might have some thoughts, but I want to hear what you have to say too. And it's truly a dialogue as opposed to like, we're going to argue about, you know, who, which band is better. Right. You know, that's very right. different. Like, I'm not going to hurt your feelings if I say Fugazi is the greatest band of all time. I mean, I will happily argue that with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, no, you know, <laughs> but, it's, but, not, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. It's just music. But but uh, but the, I feel like the key in that is like, like what you're speaking about is just staying open minded and also being respectful. You know, like uh, that that's how you continue to learn. Yeah. You know, and and uh, but but back to the idea of of doing the stand up and, and making fun of you know, what you're a part of. I think that's so great because if we lose that, you know, if we lose that ability to poke fun at society or whether it be your religious group or your, uh, you know, your political beliefs or or whatever you have, if you lose the ability to poke fun at that, then we become, you know, a glum lot. We become the the types that are very, taking life too seriously. And we, you know, you always hear, don't take it too seriously because, uh, you know, the way to get through tragedy is through laughter and, and a lot of times. Yeah, so. it really, I mean, in many ways, um, you know, I would say I, 
erythromycin might actually be the best medicine, but I mean, laughter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> laughter helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I still travel with Cipro and I've had yeah. to take Cipro in the field, but laughter yeah. also helps. Yeah. Also, like if you believe in a creator, wouldn't that creator want you to laugh? Like, have, exactly. you, not, have you not seen uh, yeah. what certain animals look like? Mm -hmm. Like, have you not, I mean, I have <laughs> the man bear pig. You know? I have, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have mirrors in my house. Like I know what I look like. I know like, yeah, I know how funny we look as people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just being able to laugh at that. That's great. Oh yeah. So, uh, well, Hey man, it's been awesome to sit down and chat and, uh, thanks for and, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I always feel like every time I sit with a friend, I, I learn more and more and, uh, but, but you are definitely unique in the fact that I feel like I continue to learn like more about things in life and also more about you as a person. But, but, uh, yeah, I, I continue to be educated by you and, and it's, it's awesome to, uh, to experience that. Thank you. Thanks. I love every time I talk to you, I feel like I want to have another conversation. Yeah. I can't wait for the next conversation because <laughs> there's, you have so many, I, you have so much stuff going on that I want to hear more about it as well. So, oh, I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks awesome. for having me on. Yeah. Thanks. Cool.